Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast it is presented by league apps and what another great show we have today four fantastic guests up first is martin jacobson the author along with bill saparito of a wonderful book called becoming coach jake a story of overcoming the odds on the soccer field and beyond. In the book, readers learn how Coach Jake got to MLK Junior High School in New York City, where he has a record of 603, 45, and 11. MLK Juniors won 20 New York City public school championships along the way. And he did all of this after a drug-filled past that included multiple failed marriages and near prison sentences before quitting drugs and alcohol cold turkey in 1985 after several stints in rehab proved unsuccessful. There's a documentary about his life, this book, also a docuseries on the way. He has a foundation and from the darkest days to now the brightest light, he shares his story to kick off the show. Following Coach Jake, we turn our attention back to API Heritage Month and through the great work of the chair for the API Soccer Coaches Community of United Soccer Coaches, Ashu Saxena, we have a wonderful visit with Caitlin Okamoto, the director for the Coach Mentor Training Program for the U.S. Soccer Foundation. Her background is remarkable, and you'll enjoy my visit with Caitlin. Also on the show is Stacy Wilson, who was a gold medalist on the 1996 U.S. Women's Team, won three NCAA titles at UNC, won the WSA with the Carolina Courage, and now focuses on helping youth, high school, you name it, frankly, helping anyone who needs help, not just in soccer, but in fitness, strength, training, nutrition, meditation, mental health, you name it, she does it all, and she is great. And we end with another 30 under 30 superstar, Sammy Joe Prudhomme, the current assistant coach at Illinois for the women's team, working with United Soccer Coaches Honor Award winner, Janet Rayfield, Sammy Joe won a national championship as a player for Southern Cal under two of my favorite head coaches, Kadani McAlpine and then assistant coach Jen Klein, who heads up Michigan. Kadani is now at Georgia. Sammy Joe wraps up the show, and it's a show that starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Lee Gaps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Martin Jacobson has been the head coach of the boys' soccer team at Martin Luther King Jr. High School in New York since 1994. 
His life and coaching success has been covered by the New York Times, BBC, New York Post, 60 Minutes, and several other national and New York outlets, and has been documented in a film called Coach Jake. Coach Jake, as he is affectionately called, has been coaching soccer for more than four decades. He was the first public high school soccer coach in New Mexico. Coach Jake experienced an extremely rough and dark, very dark, in fact, time in his life in the 80s while living in New Mexico. He returned to New York City in 1986, cleaned up his act is the best way to say it. He started teaching and coaching in the city, landing at MLK Junior High School as a counselor and later taking over as the coach for a winless program in 1994. While his story is so, so much more than wins and losses, his record since taking over Martin Luther King Junior High School campus soccer program is lofty. 603, 45, and 11. Amazing. MLK has won 20 New York City public school championships along the way. That league with 154 teams is the oldest league in the United States. The team has also been in the top 25 national rankings numerous years. Most importantly, as Coach Jake will tell us, his players have a 98% graduation rate with hundreds of young men going on to colleges, great jobs, raising families, and becoming productive citizens. In fact, Coach Jake highlights many of those players on his the Coach Jake Foundation website. We'll give you that website a little later when we bring in Martin. I mentioned the documentary, but Mark Jacobson, Coach Jake, also wrote an amazing book that I finally had the pleasure and, dare I say, honor of reading. It is called Becoming Coach Jake, a story of overcoming the odds on the soccer field and beyond. Martin wrote the book with Bill Saparito, and it includes a foreword from MLS Commissioner Don Garber, and an afterword from former MLS player and media personality, Kyle Martino. Before we welcome in Coach Jake, let me tell you a little bit more about this book. It is truly a memoir about battling adversity by the winningest high school coach in New York City public school history. Here's a brief description. In the fall of 2018, Martin Luther King Jr. High School Boys Soccer Program won its 18th New York City Public School Championship to culminate a 19-0 season in which it was ranked number three in the country. Martin Jacobson, whose first championship team was in 1996, three years after he became the head coach, had put together yet another winning squad, continued to make history in the process. But Coach Shake's story is more than just a soccer tale. In his time as a coach at MLK, he has given hundreds of immigrants from places like Mexico, Colombia, Senegal, Mali, and Haiti, and some of them homeless or parentless, an opportunity to gain some direction in both the classroom as well as on the field. Becoming Coach Jake highlights some of those individual stories and brings to light how, with Jake's guidance, many of them have gone on to achieve great success in their adult lives. Along the way, readers learn how Coach Jake got to MLK after a drug-filled past that included multiple failed marriages and near prison sentences before quitting drugs and alcohol cold turkey in 1985 after several stints in rehab proved unsuccessful. Jacobson teams up with seasoned journalist Bill Saparito to detail the triumph achieved both on the field and far beyond. So Coach Jake, we've been trying to coordinate this ever since I saw you in Philadelphia at the convention, and now we can finally do it, and you are leading off this week's show. Listen, it's a wonderful book and an inspiring book on so many levels. And as I mentioned, you were in a dark, dark place, and now your life is focused on bringing so much light to these young people who you coach at MLK Junior High School in New York. So first, welcome, Coach Jake. I'm glad we can finally connect. Yeah, thank you, Dean. It's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure. 
for sure. Well, it's my honor and the fact that you're willing to be so open about your story. And, you know, look, before we get to the light, and it's a bright light on so many levels, take some time sharing with us how dark it was. You, you were a drug addict. You lost marriages. It was truly dark. Can, can you go into some detail on how you went down that path? Well, well yeah, I was the kind of guy I felt good, wanted to feel better. You know, I was uh, living a, a, a wonderful life in Santa Fe at the time, uh, had purchased actually a beautiful, uh, you know, built a home, 7.2 acres in an old Santa Fe trail. God knows what it's worth today. Uh, owned five different homes at one time. But beside financially bankrupting myself during a certain period, of 11 years of which three, the, the final three years was uh, the most devastating, of course, uh, in the eighties. I mean, I was, uh, that's when I became a complete, let's just say a drug addict. And the only thing that mattered was the, the next fix. But, you know, what happened was I became spiritually bankrupt. Okay. You know, you can get financially bankrupt, which I did. I probably lost, I probably shot, uh, five a half a million dollars up my arm basically uh, and and but i was spiritually bankrupt and you lose your soul and that's the whole thing you lose your soul as as as, as an addict you lose you lose all bearings of life you you forget what what reason you're on the earth and what 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 greatness we have as human beings so that was a tough tough time for me um i was uh, at the time uh, you know director of high school guidance in uh, Santa Fe, uh, first soccer coach, as you mentioned, uh, uh, loved loved that. But then I just went down real fast to quit my job. I lost everything, five homes, and I lost my soul. And, and that's the, the the hardest part was uh, having uh, at that time. I eventually got both my daughters back, and uh, at that time I had one one of my daughters with me, and it was tough. It, it was uh, a dark period of my life that not many people should ever experience. What was the key? What part of rehab, what was the key that finally got you out of it? Because you tried it, didn't work, tried it, didn't work. Why did it finally work for you, coach? You know, I wish I had the miracle answer for all those who, who do succumb to such a disease. And it is a disease. So many people, uh, I mean, I think I'm one in a thousand that made it, maybe. I don't know exact statistics, but that's close. I would say I hit rock, rock, rock bottom. And uh, that was when I returned to New York City. And I uh, I was homeless and penniless. And, uh, and I had to make a change. And I had a 13-year-old daughter at the time. So it was a, a tough, tough time. And, and if you hit rock bottom, the only thing you could do is get on your knees and start praying. And... Uh, I just said, uh, I remember looking in a mirror and going, why can't I be like, like everybody else? Why can't I just be normal? And that's the worst thing in the world to feel like you're, you're just a, a pitiful soul as you look yourself in the mirror. Or I remember driving my car, going to look for a place to score my next fix and looking out the window and see all these people driving and those faces. And why can't I be like them? And so eventually, I can't say how exactly it happened. It just happened because I was at the bottom of, of life, you know, bottom, bottom rung of life. 
So when it did happen, besides this incredible success that we're going to get into, how can you describe what it meant as far as maybe saving your relationship with at least one of your daughters, maybe both of your daughters? Have you saved those relationships now, Coach Jake? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Those are saved. Some of my kids are still estranged, but most of them, uh, many of them through many of my uh, uh, relationships, of course, now I'm really blessed. I'm in a 30 plus year good relationship. Um, uh, yeah, it, 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 uh, it's, it's amazing that I, I kept my relationship with these uh, with, with a, quite a few of my kids, you know, and, uh, and they're good. They're very good. All right. So now as I read this book and you pour your soul about those dark days, the light comes on and now you have a new life mission that has carried you to this amazing success, bigger than the wins. As I mentioned, you have a foundation where you can read stories about your players. So in your own words, what is your life mission and when did that life mission kick in? Did it kick in before you arrived at MLK Jr. or did it kick in when you arrived there, coach? I think it evolves. Life evolves. Greatness evolves. Love evolves. So what happened was I just got there and I looked at the hallways and said, oh my God. At that time, our school was huge. It was 4,500 kids. It was called the Hara High of, of New York City full of gang violence and violence and, and now it's not but now we have like you know nine you know, under 2000 kids in the building but overall it was just a, a way it evolved you you meet a kid and you say oh god man look at this kid he's from colombia or look at this kid he's from west africa at that early days i had i had seven trinities starting on my first team you know uh then all of a sudden uh, kids started enrolling in school back then kids could just come so what I'm trying to say is these kids saved my life. Ah. You know, everyone says I saved and I did this and I did that. Uh-uh, uh-uh. They saved me. Ooh. Their like, existence wow. saved me. I like that answer, but because of what you went through, the challenges in your youth have clearly impacted your decision to help the youth today. That's your mission every day beyond winning soccer games, right? We're in, we're in, uh, we're in this life to learn, learn life's lessons and help others. That's the main core. And that's actually on my website. That's what I feel. Why are we here? We have to learn lessons. God just throws it to us. And we have to go ahead and move from these lessons that is always thrown and testing us. And what else purpose is there than to, to help others? Described at, by Robert Lipsight, the former journalist at the New York Times, this book, Becoming Coach Jake, a story of overcoming the odds on the soccer field and beyond. His quote says, gritty and inspiring. This is a great contemporary story of a junkie school teacher who saved himself and hundreds of immigrant New York kids with hope and a soccer ball. What a great summary right on the front page of the book. I mean, that that kind of sums it up to a T, right, Coach? Oh, uh if you don't have hope, what do you have? You know, you have to give a child hope that that, that something is ahead for them. And uh, it's so true. You know, I was fortunate enough to run into Bob Lipsight in the early days. I mean, I think the first article came out in, in 96 uh, front page of New York Times Metro section. You know, he's a great uh, columnist. And all of a sudden I got seven years coverage in New York Times. 
uh, point was that he recognized it and I was able to open up to him about my flaws and from the flaws and how I learned and developed into the person I am. And uh, I'm always grateful for him for that. Uh, it led to other things and press. It's not like I'm, I got rich from it. I did not, but I got rich from the kids that I coach. I got, I got, I got real great satisfaction. So documentary and also a Coach Jake Foundation, which one came first and talk about both? Well, I developed the foundation out of a whim of just saying, listen, as I go to older, I want to be able to do something with that. Amazingly, I'm still doing everything. I'm I'm actually still working uh, part time at school because I get time off. I mean, I'm retired, but I'm still coaching and I have a great assistant coach and my coach is. I have a whole staff of coaches that, that help me. Um, you know, basically, you know, what I realize is here's, I had the foundation, but more as importantly is I'm still coaching kids. I think, okay, I know I've done well, uh, you know, record-wise. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I know the kids have gone on to great things, but I think I'm the oldest coach now in the city too. Um as I get uh, chalk off a year at a time, my birthday coming up at the end of the month, it's amazing that I'm I'm uh, I'm still doing it, and then I can only be blessed uh, with health, and and that's what it's all about when you get older. Um, but it is a it is extremely I can't even think what I'm going to do if I didn't coach actually because I'm still a guy. I always say, well, I got another year in me, and I'm already looking forward to. Uh, the next season, as actually we, we, you know, last two seasons, we won a sh- the championship, uh, our 19th and 20th, and we went 44 wins, uh, games without a loss. Yeah. So uh, it's exciting to start another happen? season. Yeah. When did the documentary happen, though? What year was that and how did that take place? It was five, almost five years ago. Um, I was approached by a few groups, but then I decided to use a, a young man, Ian Phillips is his name. And he came to me, he's, listen, we got to do this. This might be your last year. And of course, everybody thinks it's going to be my last year, but it wasn't my last year. And I never said it was going to be my last year. And he just came out. We got some financing on a low end. I mean, it did. I mean, amazing. I was able to help him get some financing for it. And um, it was quite successful. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Apple. Um, it's called Coach Jake. It has a great story. What a crazy story it had. Um, uh, I, without giving it away you know it's still out there and i guess it lives forever we got to go to heartland film festival bushwick you know uh it opened up at the urban world film festival right on 42nd street in new york city to 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 literally hundreds and hundreds of people and it was it did real well and then from there someone was in the audience from uh uh you know the, the, well the part of simon and schuster um, Skyhorse Publishing and said, asked me a question. And next thing I know, I got a call and said, why don't you write a book? And I got Bill and Bill and I put together an, a, what I think is an inspirational book. Uh, it's a great book. And you're not done because now you've got another project, a docuseries called We Are King, I believe. What can you share about that? Is that still moving? Uh, that's exciting. I just got an email yesterday. BBC might pick it up. Um, interestingly enough, they're shopping it now. What it is 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 Shutterstock Studios, really well-known studio, spent quite a bit of money to put together uh, maybe uh, eight twenty-two minute 
episodes. They were at our every game. They covered us last season. They were a uh, full film crew, you know, you know, three cameras, sound, kids wired for the game, went into the kids' homes. And it's uh, what I think is going to be like a Friday Night Lights situation, you know, for soccer, which, of course, we all we all need that. And uh, I don't know exactly what's happening other than I did get a, an email from the executive producer yesterday saying it's going to be sold. So um, when it'll be shown, it's all in the it's already been filmed. It's just a matter of now editing, finish editing and sell it. And it's somewhere it'll end up somewhere. Wow. I mean, you think about that. We Are King will be a Friday Night Lights of Soccer. We Are King, Friday Night Lights of Soccer, you know, from your days as a drug addict, homeless, lost marriages, lost some kids, and then to rise up and have a documentary, have a book, now have this docuseries, We Are King. It is a tremendous story. I'm so glad that you actually gave me a little more time to actually reading Becoming Coach Jake, a story of overcoming the odds on the soccer field and beyond. And since I mentioned the foundation, can you give us the website for the foundation so people can learn more and maybe maybe they want to help, Coach? Yeah, it, it'd be really an honor. You know, www.thecoachjakefoundation.org. T-H-E, Coach Jake Foundation, just like it sounds. The Coach Jake Foundation.org is the um, website. And uh, it's all there. You can go to press, which has quite a bit of press. Uh, uh, alumni, which I listed 50 of my kids. Uh, there are hundreds. Then what they're doing now after college. Like uh, I got a Harvard Medical Grad School graduate. You know, I've got I got a U.S. Army sergeant. I've got so many young men have gone on to productive, great lives, and all I ask of them is go out and help somebody else. I don't ask them to give me money. Even when I had a kid getting a million dollars for a, a pro contract, I never asked for money. You're not supposed to. You're a high school coach. You're not an agent. You don't need anything. All I want to do is go and help people. And uh, that's that. That's my goal, that they go out and learn that lesson. You're here to help others. We're here with Martin Jacobson, the author of Becoming Coach Jake, a story of overcome the odds on the soccer field and beyond. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And on the back of the book, of the cover, is a quote from the former CEO, Lynn Berlin Manuel, who had the job before Jeff Van Dusen stepped in, and this is what Lynn had to say about this book, and I quote, Martin Jacobson's journey is a very personal one, but it uniquely intersects with two of the largest global issues over time. We have an opioid epidemic that tears families apart and kills thousands every year alongside the largest human migration in the history of the world, forced from their homes by war, gang violence, ethnic cleansing, and economic devastation. For Martin, Soccer became the key that helped unlock both his getting and staying clean and giving hundreds of immigrant kids from nations around the world an opportunity to have a future. It's a story of the power of one person. It's about hope when everything seems hopeless. It's about being a flawed human being as are we all, but overcoming, moving forward and taking us along for the ride. Martin is my friend, but Coach Jake is my hero. And quote. Coach, I don't feel like you set out to be a hero, but those are inspiring words right there by Lynn Berlin Manuel. You 
got it back together and you are living proof that, like you said, hope heals all. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a great honor for Lynn to write that. I felt, well, I feel proud that she feels that way. And uh, I feel good about what I've done. Uh, and I'm not perfect. I'm imperfect, you know, like most of us. But but I'm, I'm but I'm really happy to keep moving forward and seeing how many more lives we can help. All right. I am going to ask this question, but I really do want to focus on this book. I want people to go out and get it. Becoming Coach Jake, a story of overcoming the odds on the soccer field and beyond. One thing that I know you feel is not perfect is high school soccer versus academy soccer. I promise I would let you have a little hot take <laughs> on it, Jake, but don't make it too long. But give me your take. Well, it's simple. What's wrong with them? Uh, we, we as coaches have to unite. Uh, I'm tired of them saying, oh, you can't play uh, uh, high school soccer. We're not good enough, these coaches. I represent one of thousands of us out there that give our lives to these youth. We can coach. And what is 10 to 12 weeks of their lives to play high school soccer, represent their school, be the heroes and the, and, and the admired by their, their schoolmates. Come on, get, get real, U.S. soccer. Um, there's no need to, to, to differentiate. High school, then you move on to the club. Uh, whether that's an academy club or other clubs that I work with, it's the same thing. Let's, let's, uh, let's change that rule. It's absurd. All right, well said, Coach Jake. You said you got a birthday coming up. What is your birthday and how old will you be? Oh, wow. That's a tough one, man. Giving it away. Uh, I'll, it's May 31st. The Gemini is starting, you know. Uh, interesting enough, my my uh, my assistant coach, main assistant, is the same birthday, but he's 35 and I'm 77. 77. Hey, I feel like your coaching staff might be listening. Why don't you go ahead and say their names? Well, I got Kamani Kalnick. Uh, he's my main right assistant. I got coach Mickey Cohn who played in the NASL with Shep Messing. Uh, he's my goalkeeper coach. He's turning 76. Kamani's 35. And Sina Hajajay, who is uh, a new guy we brought on, who's helps out. I have Lauren Bullen who comes up once in a while and helps out from, from the far ends of Queens when his, his two nephews played for me. So he stayed with us. So I've got a group that shows up. Uh, uh, but uh, Mickey, me, Cena, and Kamani show up every day. Coach, I'm so glad I was able to run into you in the exhibit hall at the convention. I appreciate your patience. Thank you so much for sending me this book. Thank you so much for autographing it. As it says, great to meet you. All the best, Coach Jake. Becoming Coach Jake, a story of overcoming the odds on the soccer field and beyond by Mark Jacobson. He's also got a documentary and keep your eyes out for a docu-series called We Are King. Thanks for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast, and thanks for sharing your story. Truly inspiring, Coach Jake Martin Jacobson. Great to be with you, sir. Thank you, Dean. A pleasure. What a great story. What a great interview with Martin Jacobson, the author of Becoming Coach Jake, a story of overcoming the odds on the soccer field and beyond, a book he wrote in collaboration with Bill Saffarito. When we return, we put the focus back on API Heritage Month and the great work of the API Soccer Coaches community. That includes Caitlin Okamoto. Caitlin, after these messages. 
Introducing the first ever CoachCon, presented by Soccer.com in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, August 11th through the 13th. Register now to experience distinct coaching education from top-level professionals and earn a special topics diploma in game analysis or organizational leadership. Spots are extremely limited. Register today at unitedsoccercoaches.org slash coachcon. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. As I said in the open, it's API Heritage Month and every single week of this month will be dedicated to someone pushed forward by the API soccer coaching community, including Ashu Saksuena, who kicked things off. We're so pleased to be joined today by Caitlin Okamoto, who is the director for coach mentor training for the U.S. Soccer Foundation, which, by the way, Stacey Wilson will also say great things about the U.S. Soccer Foundation and she'll also say great things about the API soccer coaches community coming up. So I like that tie-in as well. Before I read her bio, let me just say hello to Caitlin Okamoto. And Caitlin, thanks for being on during API Heritage Month. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Dean. It's an honor to be here, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you. We're honored to have you. And folks, bear with me as I give you a little bit of background on Caitlin. A lot of overlap on some of the places I've been, so I find her background amazing. Caitlin joined the U.S. Soccer Foundation in June of 22 as the director for the Coach Mentor Training Program. She is a practitioner scholar who embraces the opportunity to bring theory and research onto the field and into the day-to-day -day of sports coaching. Her coaching, teaching, and scholarship is focused on elevating sport opportunities to best serve young people through integrating youth agency and voice into program design and implementation. Caitlin comes to the foundation with more than two decades of coaching experience at the collegiate youth and community level, most recently, most recently serving as the Girls Academy Director at Salvo Soccer Club in Minnesota. Caitlin has taught extensively in higher education, including as community faculty at the University of Minnesota in the Youth Development Leadership Master's Program. Her areas of research and scholarship include youth work and sport, action research, youth development, youth participatory action research, and social work and sport, and she has been published in several academic journals. Caitlin has a U.S. Soccer A license, a U.S. Soccer Coaches Premier Diploma, and is a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the National Strength and Conditioning Association. Finally, Caitlin graduated with a doctorate in social work from the University of Minnesota, a master's of science in exercise and sports studies from Smith College. Remember, we have some outstanding members, our 30 under 30 program from Smith, and a bachelor's of arts in biology with a minor in Asian studies from Colorado College, a place that is near and dear to me. Caitlin played D1 women's soccer at Colorado College in Colorado Springs, where she captained the team back to their first NCAA appearance in 15 years. She enjoys hiking, travel, and delicious coffee. I like all those things as well. And Ashu said that I would love having you on. And I, I already do, by the way. I love your bio, Caitlin. Impressive bio. Thanks again for, for being on. And thanks for letting me read that bio. Thank you. Well, let's start with where you grew up. So I want to know where you grew up before you ended up at Colorado College. Can you walk us through that part of your life? I was actually born up in Alaska and my folks and family moved down to Taos, New Mexico, which is in northern New Mexico when I was about five. So I grew up in Taos, wonderful community, small town, just had a really wonderful experience as a young person. As you can imagine, in a small town, sports are unique, particularly in a rural area. And I 
found my way back to soccer. I played a little bit when I was a real youngster in Alaska and sort of dabbled in different things, but then really got into it, I think, in my eight, nine, 10 year old ages and happened to be part of the local rec league. That's all we had here. And there were a couple community members who really started to create some opportunities for more girls to play within that league. I think it was really more dominated by boys. And so they started a couple girls-specific teams, the Eagles, they were called. I think we had a U10 and a U12 team. And I became part of that and just really fell in love through the mentorship of those coaches in the sport. And so when I was in about seventh grade, started to travel to Albuquerque, which is the local big city about two hours south, and play with the club team and play Olympic development program. Obviously had a really supportive family and was really lucky that we were able to do that. Found my love for the game in the small community of Taos where we had low numbers and couldn't separate by age or by gender. And so we would train as a collective and it was wonderful. It was phenomenal. Well, that's awesome. And then obviously somewhere along the way, you're like, wait, I might be good enough to do this in college. Clearly something clicked where you're like, hey, I can go to college and play soccer. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think when I was in high school, you know, it was just what's the opportunity to keep playing? Like, I love the game so much. And I spent all my free time either traveling to play in sort of that competitive space or playing locally and playing pickup wherever I could. And I explored colleges for soccer and not for soccer. And I feel very lucky. I ended up going to Colorado College, actually walked on there, had a really great opportunity with the coach at the time, Eric Oman allowed me to walk on and be a part of preseason and sort of the rest was history. You know, I was able to become a central part of that team for four years and really just enjoyed the experience overall. Wait, Eric Oman, the Hoosier, the Indiana Hoosier guy that lives out on the Pacific West, that Eric Oman? That's correct. Yes. Oh my goodness. Wow. Such a great small, he's a wonderful man, right? He is. And thankful for him for that opportunity, right? To, to step into that space. So when your name is Caitlin Okamoto, Clearly, during API Heritage Month, we know that you are from that community that we're so proud to support on United Soccer Coaches. So as you think about API Heritage Month, as you think about Ashu, as you think about Tiffany Roberts, Sahedik, and some of the other great guests that we're going to have on this month, this is the month. I mean, every day you need to be proud of your heritage, but this month especially, we're going to be proud of the API community. Can you talk about that pride, please? Absolutely. You know, really thankful to Ashu and colleagues. I'm actually a more recent member of this community in terms of finding it within United Soccer Coaches and really grateful to be a part of it and to start to become a member. I think for me, I the small town I grew up with is quite diverse, but in terms of other members of the AAPI community, there were there were only a couple of us. And same when I went and played club and same when I went and played in college. And so being able to connect the sport I love also to, to my culture and my identity as well, I think has been really special. I think growing up, never really thought about connecting some of the pieces around how the history of my family sort of led us to be where we are and to the sport that I played. And so it's been nice to meet and be able to have conversations with some other folks in this community whose parents or grandparents also experienced some of the things that mine did, you know, in World War II or in, in other parts of history. So I'm very appreciative for it. It's nice that this community is getting elevated during this month. And it's nice also to be learning about other members of this community and as part of the sport. Trace your heritage for us then, can you? My mom is from Europe, mix of Irish and English. My dad is second or third generation Japanese. And so his father came over from Japan and his mom was born in the States and I think had 
a unique upbringing. They, he grew up in Phoenix. They were farmers. You know, I think both of my grandparents experienced World War II and an internment camp in different ways. And that's been a self journey of learning more about that over the last couple decades. You know, I think my family worked really hard to get us to where we are today and to be in, in this space. And I think there was a lot of assimilation that occurred in those early decades. And so it's been nice to begin to explore more of how that history has informed who my dad is and who I am and, and who my family is situated in the States. Who you are is amazing, yeah. particularly your focus on youth work and sport, youth development, youth participatory action research. I mean, clearly you care about young people. Where did that drive come from, Caitlin? Where was it when you woke up and said, hey, I want to help young people? I think it's a great question. You know, I spoke earlier about growing up in the small town of Taos, New Mexico, and that's really central to the work I do today and, and how I've crafted those different professional identities. We were in a space where the young people who wanted to play soccer showed up. There's no exchange of money. We had a really wonderful mentor who was willing to show up three, four days a week at, at the local park and throw out some balls and allow us to play and do skill building. When I was really young and the rec league was just starting, we would have the metal goals in the back of his truck. And on Friday nights, we'd drive him out to the baseball fields because we didn't have soccer specific fields and we would construct those big metal goals and put nets on them. And it was a pleasure as a young person to be able to do that because then afterwards, before it got dark, we had 30, 45 minutes to like shoot on goal, right? And train and play. And then we'd help take them down on Sunday. And so that the I think the I share that because like the community aspect of creating the space to play and the members who are part of that community across ages um, and ability and and gender, right, really made the experience driven by me. Like I was there because I wanted to be and my counterparts were there because I wanted to be. And we helped sort of craft sort of the environment of the culture of that space. And and as I moved sort of up in, in competitive level and played club and played college, which I appreciated very much and, and really enjoyed both of those spaces, I think I was always seeking, okay, what was it about this unique environment as a young person, right, that really allowed sort of the fire for the game to thrive for a very long time for me and for my peers. And so I think that has sort of led me down this journey of even as I go into different geographic areas with the work I'm doing, right? How do we still make the game really local, really centered on what the young person wants to do and how sort of they create that own joy in the game with the space and the tools that they have? Brilliant answer. We're here with Caitlin Okamoto. It's API Heritage Month and Ashu Saxena, who heads up the API soccer coaching community for United Soccer Coaches, said that I would love having you on. And he understated it, by the way. You are awesome and driven. And now you're the director for this coach mentor training program. And what it says here is your coaching, teaching, and scholarship is focused on elevating sport opportunities to best serve young people through integrating youth agency and voice into program design and implementation. Before you tell me what that means, I do want to share with you that I was the press officer for the 1994 U.S. World Cup team. My wife was the protocol manager for the World Cup. So we very much feel like we were part of what created the U.S. Soccer Foundation, right? That World Cup was so successful. So to be able for us to sit back and see what the foundation continues to do every year, 
30 years later, we marvel in it. So let me just salute you on that part and then let you kind of echo that sentiment and then tell us a little bit more about exactly what you do for U.S. Soccer Foundation. Well, thank you. And thank you to you and your wife for setting the stage for me to be in this phenomenal role with this wonderful organization in this moment in time. So yeah, as you mentioned, I'm the director for coach mentor training at the U.S. Soccer Foundation. And this is a coach education program within our foundation that's specifically focused on helping coaches better integrate the role of mentorship into what they do as a coach. Really what that means is how do we develop skill sets and a mentality for just developing really high quality, trusting and positive relationships with youth when we're working with them in a sports setting. We do this coach education both in soccer, but also across all versions of sports. We work with parks and rec organizations. We work with soccer clubs. We work with baseball organizations, you name it. And I think really what's common across this landscape of youth sport is I think at the core, everyone wants a really high quality experience for young people. And also a lot of the training that we have is focused on the technical aspects of those different individual sports. And what we're trying to do in this training is just really elevate the human component, right? What are the pieces that we can do working adult to young person and trying to create relationships, young person to young person, so that each person that comes into your team or your space or your camp feels really welcomed. They can be their full selves, that they feel that they can show up and they have a trusting adult in that space who's willing to work with them on their good days and their bad days. And so what we're offering is this opportunity to sit in that space as a coach and think more about how we better meet those needs for youth in addition to all the amazing things we do in the technical and the tactical aspects of the game. I love what I do. I can feel your passion. You love what you do. I get the feeling that when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, you're excited to be doing what you're doing. Am I right about that? Yeah. You know, some might say you're a workaholic, but uh, <laughs> I do. I love the work that I do. And I, most days I marvel that I get to do this as, as a job. So um, yeah, you're absolutely right. We're here with Caitlin Okamoto. You know, one of the things that we will cover is mental health, because it's also Mental Health Awareness Month. And I feel like the API soccer coaches community has spent a lot of time on that for obvious reasons, you know, with COVID and some of the bias and things that were going on. And I mean, just in general, you, you don't have to be API. I mean, just in general, it's tough right now for, for young people. How important is working in mental health and what you're doing as well, Caitlin? Yeah, you know, and I, I think, Dean, like I am I am not a clinical mental health professional. I'll just say that from the outright. I definitely have my my background in, in social work and youth work, but I, I think you named it well. There's a lot of challenges that, that young people and adults, for that matter, are facing in terms of mental health. And I think what we know that that relationships and community provide opportunities for those people to find connections, to speak out about their needs, to be connected to resources, to find themselves in supportive communities. And so I think the work we're doing at the foundation is a part of that. I think the work of the AAPI community is also a part of that and the other, you know, the other communities within USC. And so I think collectively, the more that we can learn from each other about our cultures and our backgrounds and, and be supportive and welcoming of whoever shows up in our space, we're going to find more opportunities to support those when they are in need of, of some mental health resources. And, and I think in moments, we'll all find ourselves in those spaces and we hope they exist for all of us. API Heritage Month, so pleased to be joined by Caitlin Okamoto. And Caitlin, for people in the API community, 
if they have experienced any kind of bias in what is a very divided country, what is your message to them? It's collective action, you know, even as someone who identifies with this community, like me continuing to learn and educate myself about my own biases, about the ways in which I am part of that structure and how I can I can change and work against that. And also preparing ourselves for those moments when we need to stand up and speak out and support and be allies for others who are facing discrimination in different ways. You know, I I was living in Minneapolis at the time of George Floyd's murder, and there were some really good conversations that the local JACL community put out around the relationships historically between the Asian American communities and the Black communities in the U.S. and how, and sometimes that has been extremely supportive in other ways some of our communities have been part of the discriminatory issues. And so it was a really good moment for me to do a deep dive into my own heritage and history and thinking about where I sit in the current now, right? And in being a supportive person in the right side of history, right? For these communities. And so I think we all have to continue to do the work regardless of how we identify because we all don't identify in all ways. We're here with Caitlin Okamoto, the director for the Coach Mentor Training Program for U.S. Soccer Foundation, a fascinating background with multiple degrees. I love it. Now I want to go with two questions and then we'll promote. And the two questions are very similar. I call it my last word or in case you missed it. So if they heard nothing else about how you feel about your work with U.S. Soccer Foundation, except for this soundbite right now, what would you want them to hear? Yeah, Google ussoccerfoundation.org. Check us out. We're doing cool work across the country, and we also love to collaborate. So I'd love to hear from as many of you as would like to connect as possible. And the same thing if they heard nothing about how you're feeling about API Heritage Month, except your comments right now, what would you want them to hear? Use it as a moment to increase your knowledge, right, of this community and who you are in relation to them. So take advantage of it being prominent and prevalent in media and use some of that to elevate your learning. All right. I love the ties to Colorado College. What position did you play, Caitlin? My first year, I played left back and the rest of the time I played central midfield. Awesome. And now you're playing a key role for so many different groups, but especially your work at U.S. Soccer Foundation. Thanks for being a part of the guest list for the API Soccer Coaches community for ASHU and appreciate all you're doing for U.S. Soccer Foundation. Really proud of you. Thanks so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Yeah, thank you, Dean. It's been a pleasure. Indeed, it is our pleasure to work with the SHU and the API Soccer Coaches community during API Heritage Month. Great job by Caitlin Okamoto. As I mentioned, Stacy Wilson has been a strong ally with the SHU and the API Soccer Coaches community. She has also been a great advocate for young people just like Caitlin. We'll spend some time with Stacy Wilson who won a gold medal in the 1996 Olympics, won three national championships at North Carolina. She's down in Florida coaching boys, coaching girls, helping any way she can. She'll break all that down and so much more. Stacey Wilson on the bounce. 
As a soccer coach, you're no stranger to developing your players, but how are you developing your own expertise? As a United Soccer Coaches member, you receive access to a range of resources, like our online learning platform, The Training Ground, to aid in the growth and enhancement of your coaching skills and career. From coaching education courses to lifestyle services, take advantage of new opportunities and member benefits with an annual United Soccer Coaches membership for just $125. Join the home of all coaches today at unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. As you just heard me when I went to break, super fired up to bring you my interview with Stacey Wilson, one of my all-time favorite players. She probably doesn't realize it, but I actually called a couple games of hers when she played at North Carolina, but really got to know her better when she was part of the Carolina Courage way back in the early 2000s. She is a no-nonsense person. That's what I love about her. She was actually in the room on that Saturday night at the Black Legends event, and she was one of the first people that I was drawn to. Even better, as you've heard multiple interviews, and Stacy's too busy to listen to these interviews, which I appreciate, Stacey, so don't sweat that, but I have said on multiple <laughs> interviews the conversation you had with my wife and particularly how nice you were about me because my wife said to you, and I don't know if you remember this, she's like, wow, I've never seen Dean like this. Like, he's clearly levitated, like he's clearly moved. And you said, ah, oh, that's Dean. You said, you know, I don't really like people, but I've always liked Dean. So I think that's what you said, Stacey. And for saying that, you moved me. So th thanks for saying that on multiple levels. Well, I appreciate it. Well, it was totally genuine. I'm, I'm glad the word got back to you. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you are one of those kind of people. That's why you're doing what you do. I would put you right up there, honestly, with Colleen Hacker, where I'm like, they're just always happy. I can't be in a bad mood with this. Yeah. So, oh, that's awesome. And that was that a one, fun night. I'm glad you it, enjoyed it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I really did, Stacey. I mean, I felt I walked in and I saw you and then I saw Lincoln get up there and like, now's our time. And it just spoke to me. But even before that, something spoke to me to just get there. And you don't know all the story, but basically I walked in the elevator. I'm like, Leah, I don't know where it is. And then this guy named Etta Are, who was just hired by United Soccer Coaches, who I met on the first day of the convention. He's from Cameroon. And I said, take me there. And that's all I said. And he knew exactly what I meant. And that's kind of how, <laughs> it was. so it, it really was like cosmic, right? Like it had to happen. Take me there. Yeah, the, the big event. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, like I said, it was, I mean, like you, you mentioned Lincoln and there were a lot of folks there, Guy, who you did have on the show, I know. You know, I've been a, a member for quite a few years, probably connected with the group since uh, easily around 2010, 11. So it was nice. And that event was one of the largest. And it was just nice to see not only the, the people that have been there for years and kind of set the way, but it was also a lot of young black faces and a lot of bright young minds that are, are ready to contribute. It was really enjoyable. Yeah. It kind of said, you know, we've arrived. And then, and like you said, how many socials have a dance floor as well? I mean, the vibe is just off the chains, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course we <laughs> had to use that eventually. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, here with mm -hmm. Stacey Wilson, one of the all-time greats, a gold medalist in the Summer Olympics in Atlanta, an All-American soccer player in high school in Virginia, dominant defensive player as the member of the North Carolina women's soccer team. Among her other honors, she was named the 1994 National Freshman Player of the Year. In March 2001, the team retired Wilson's jersey. Remind me, how many national championships did you win at North Carolina, Stacey? Did you get all four? 
Nah, I fell short. We got three. <laughs> okay, you got three. Yeah, yeah, well three big done. ones. Yeah, we lost uh, in the semifinals my sophomore year on an own goal. It was close, but but no cigar. That put everybody in a frenzy. So it was almost guaranteed junior year that we would get it. But it was a, a stressful year because we wanted it so bad. Three of them. And then by senior year, we were a little more relaxed. And I'd say that was the most fun national championship out of them all. You know, just kind of chemistry and everything was right. I'm guessing that you won some titles with Dino at the Raleigh Wings, and then you obviously won the WSA title in year two with the Carolina Courage. You probably won some titles with the Raleigh Wings too, didn't you? We probably won national championships with them at least two years. That was quite a group right there that had a bunch of players that floated in and out of the national team. The coolest thing about that was, though, that you got UNC, Duke, and NC State players playing together as teammates. And, and so that's that's something that you don't normally get. But like I was a, a back, played defense with, I think, Thory Staples. We had Samantha Baggett. She's now the head coach down in Florida. So she was Duke. Thory was was NC State. I was UNC. Generally, like, uh, you know, you, it's arch rivals on the field. But, yeah. but I, I mean, that was just some of the best times, I'd say. Perhaps in my life, because we were just, you know, living uh, paid to work out in the summertime and, you know, maybe work some soccer camps and just totally uh, caught up in doing what you love, you know, and yeah. you got youth, youth on your side, too. <laughs> yeah, amen. I remember those days because it was right when I had moved back from Colorado when you guys were playing and uh, I went to a lot of those games. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, it mm -hmm. turned out Thory ended up doing some games with me NWSL. So with the new courage, she has caught some games mm -hmm. with me, believe it or not. So uh, that's another good name. I got to have her on as well as part of this, uh, this theme that I, that I told you about Stacy, but I want to get to what you're doing now, but I kind of want to just walk through your path. So I know you grew up in New Jersey, right? But then mm -hmm. You somehow made it to Virginia, right? Tell me everywhere you've been before you went to North Carolina and then how you got to where you are now, Stacey. Give me the elevator speech. Well, I don't have an elevator speech. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not one of those. I, I know you're supposed to. I know you're supposed to. I tell people to have them and I just don't like them. I just, it just feels phony. So still need that type of professional development, I guess. But you pretty much hit it right there. It's it's just New Jersey, but and, and then Virginia, but it was two very different places. You know, New Jersey grew up in East Orange. That was a, a, a city. I was in the majority there. You know, there were I could probably count the number of white kids in my school on one hand easily. And then once I moved to Virginia, I was in the suburb. It was my dad's job that took us there. You know, he went to uh, work in D.C. with Bell Atlantic. My mom was a, a housewife for a little bit, but, you know, she also had jobs here and there, but she wanted to kind of take care of us through the transition. I had an older sister and a younger brother. And, you know, Northern Virginia around that time, I'd say maybe because of its proximity to D.C., had a lot of diplomats. It was really an area that really that sport was growing. You know, it was more accepted. People wanted their kid to play that. And so I happened to move from a place where I was jumping fences, you know, getting in, the, uh, you know, playground races, maybe some track races. I definitely got in a lot of playground fights as a youngster, um, but nothing too, too crazy. It was just, it was feisty. We did a lot of baseball, basketball, but no soccer. Tried to catch up on one or two of your podcasts, and I believe you had was it Emanuele? Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She yeah, yeah. She talked. She laughed at how there were Americans, you know, 
that'll go and bounce a soccer ball, like dribble it like a basketball, <laughs> you know, and she, and she says that, you know, if you have a basketball in our country, you know, we, we, we're kicking that. We're not bouncing that. It's the reverse. <laughs> and how she, and that's really one of the stories of how I got into soccer first, first time was, uh, my godmother gave me a gift when I was six and it was a ball and I was bouncing it. It just didn't <laughs> bounce right. It didn't dribble right. Cause I was doing, you know, basketball dribbling. And then I moved to Virginia and when I moved there, that's what we were doing during recess. And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Pulled that thing out. I think somebody got me a, I think it was the same godmother got me a, a Pele book, book on Pele. And then it was game over, you know, had me a picture book with Pele. I had the soccer ball. It's what kids did at recess. And then, you know, we had cable TV back then. And I don't know how, but somehow that movie with uh, Pele and Sylvester Stallone, was it Victory? And, and Michael Yeah, Payne. Victory. Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. And then that turned into like a favorite movie. You know, I was all into that. So yeah, soccer, just Pele. It was, it was uh, yeah, that was my, my role model, I guess you could say. Wow. So that's <laughs> the, that was the tip, tipping point, the turning point for you to get into soccer. And then eventually <laughs> Anson comes calling and mm -hmm. Anson comes calling with a loaded roster because I think there was, I mean, you spent a little time with even like Mia and, and some of those players, right? Like who are some of the players mm -hmm. you played with at North Carolina? Definitely got the opportunity to play with some great players. They were, Mia was actually a senior during my senior year in high school. Okay. So when I like went on a recruiting trip, you know, she was one of the couple of people that I spent a little time with. She and I, t I think it was Christine Lilly graduated the year before, but I mean, we had Angela Kelly, a Canadian national team player, uh, Daniel Reyna, or at the time it was Daniel Egan, Tisha Venturini, Shelly Finger. She was a national team level goalie, Tracy yep. Noonan, national team goalie. Even our sophomore class, the class right above me had some great talent. I really enjoyed playing with Sarah Dacey back in the day. In came right after me was Tiff Roberts, Cindy Parlow. So there was a, an abundance of talent. It was, it was, yeah. Awesome. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Spending time with Stacey Wilson. Uh, we're going to learn what she's doing now because she is making a difference in a big way for not just girls, but for boys, not just soccer, but for strength training and nutrition. And I think even some mental health stuff. I want to get to that, but I will tell you that. You know, we just had an awesome guest on celebrating API Heritage Month. And next week, Tiffany Roberts Sahadik will be on to further promote API Heritage Month. And when I sent out the list of the four great guests today, Ashu Saxwena wrote, like, oh my gosh, Stacey Wilson's like a tremendous ally for the API Heritage Group. That was nice to hear, Stacey, as well. <laughs> as, you know, certainly the Black soccer coaches need their allies, but so do they. And here you step up as an ally for that organization uh, to talk about uh, being an ally for them since we just heard from uh, a wonderful member of the API soccer coaching community. Well, when I found out they were becoming a group and I think it might've been Johnny Collins, a guy who, who uh, mentioned it to me that, Hey, we're starting the group. And then, you know, I heard from Sue Ryan that, that Ashu was involved and, and yeah, met up with him and it was, it was a no brainer. I wanted to be a part of the group. Ashu, he's just, beyond organized and and detailed yes. and I definitely need to pick up a copy of his book because he talks about you know and that's the type of book I would love to read one he talks about he says leadership and team culture you know and also gives some x's and o's and best practices but it, it, you know he's just a thorough guy very thoughtful so even at thoughtful. the last convention he gave me these little this little gift um 
this little doll and it had the a label and just just a lot of meaning. I don't want to give you know too much sentiment away, you know, go into it. But he's like that. He'll show appreciation. It's the kind of people I like. Like it, like I told your wife, I don't like too many people. It's <laughs> 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 it's hard to trust people, but you know, Ashley's gained a hundred percent of mine. So yeah, That's so I mean, I, um, he invited me to do the mental health panel with him. And that's yeah. where I met both Chris's and, and yeah, that was oh, just wow. pretty, pretty smooth. Um, yeah, that was a deep you know, story from the two Chris's very deep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, we all have things that we can relate to. So I just wanted to be there for them just because in forming an advocacy group, there are things that, you know, we learn from and which is how we got to where we are. So having them figure out, you know, the best way that they can make an impact on their coaches or to achieve their initiatives and also just some, you know, some empathy or just some, some of the issues that our players face or we place face as coaches are really similar, just having someone else there. So I'm glad that they let me be a part. I think sometimes, you know, when I was going to that social, somebody actually pulled my tail that the social that, you know, and said, Hey, are, are we allowed to go? You know, like they want to make sure they weren't like, you know, in, impeding on our space, you know, and sometimes I'll, I'll make sure I have that same sensitivity when I'm joining that group, because there are sometimes closed conversations you want to have, perhaps, but they've never, you know, closed me out. So no, they, yeah. They, yeah, they love you like, like I love you and the people that, mm-hmm. you know, truly watch your career love you. And and with that, Stacey, so walk me through. So when you were done with the Carolina Courage, did you go immediately into coaching or did you go into strength training and how did you find your way to Florida where I think you're not only a coach, but coaching boys, which is awesome. You know, we saw what Julian mm-hmm. Sitch did this past year. So, you know, what did you do after you finally hung up the boots as a, you know, as a pro mm-hmm. and, a, and a national team member? Because back then women's soccer, you know, it wasn't as right now it is, I believe, a, a full time career. Like you can make a full living then. So back then with the first league, it wasn't really you weren't needed full time. Uh, but also you did need to, um, maybe you can compare it to the WNBA where they supplement their income. So with that, I was already doing a part year as a teacher at a private school. Um, it was a private school. They just needed me to coach soccer and I coached the soccer and the, they saw the way I was, you know, really into the fitness and they said that they were expanding and could I stay and actually train their winter athletes, And then that grew into, hey, can you do this full time for us? So they were really flexible and they let me for the first couple of years of the pro go and do both. But then once the league folded, that's when I was able to just glide in the full time year round there. And once I was able to do it full time year round, our athletic director said, you know, I I see the way you work with the athletes. He probably sugarcoated it, like, because I, I think also like, you know, as a young coach, for me, you know, to be coaching soccer, I probably had a high standard. So he was probably like, she's more than what these kids can handle with (laughs) soccer, you know, and with strength and conditioning, you know, I am like, you know, it's all about building up the athlete. It's all about get, you know, there's no playing time, there's no scores. So all that extra energy that I bring isn't at all intimidating or too much, you know, so as a strength coach, it was just a really good fit. And so they asked me to go and do it full time. So I ended up doing that for about probably stayed there for almost seven years. And until I moved to Florida, you know, decided to move down to Florida 
And down there is where I more transitions because up in Virginia, I didn't really coach soccer. I just trained soccer. I preferred to stay out of the the politics or just, you know, any type of headaches that can come with youth soccer. And so I found that it was most enjoyable if I just trained a team. So I trained four different teams each night in Virginia after work, you know, and it was just, it was great. And then I moved down to Florida and the soccer coach culture was pretty different. And they really wanted you to align yourself with just one club. And so that's where it got into more just, yeah, coaching with one club. But there were spurts, you know, with the clubs, uh, coached with a couple of different clubs down here, but then worked full time at a high school, a private school. It was actually in West Palm Beach. Uh, and I coached there, girls' soccer program and strength and conditioning, all the athletes, uh, all the Olympic sports, basically, not, not football. They had their own football coach. But yeah, I'd say within two years, we took the, the school, we, got the school's first ever state championship of any sport so our girls soccer got it so that was nice that was pretty awesome yeah you know because I know they were pouring uh you know lacrosse and and football were trying to get it for years and years you know and they put a lot of money in those programs and on our relatively shoestring budget you know Mm -hmm. we were able to get it just but shoestring budget yeah I did I that is being uh, a little bit it it is it was nice. We did have huddle and things like that, that give you a, 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 an advantage if you use them, if you're able to break down video and things. So I won't say we were like, you know, had no, no resources. That definitely would be an understatement, but you know, well, you're a champion every- though. So you, you know, you brought your championship yeah. mentality to them, right? That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. it was, yeah, it was a, like I tell the kids leave no stone unturned, you know, around this time we were doing every single thing. We're doing the post and, you know, the recovery where if we, after practice, uh, we had a yoga studio at the school. I would, you know, we would go to the yoga studio. I'd put them through and tell them exactly what to do, you know, switch to this, that with foam rolling. And then I would play the, most people are familiar with headspace that those, um, meditation, uh, the meditation app. So I would play different type of inspiration or this or that. And I mean, the kids loved it. I learned back then way before, you know, it's become a lot bigger now with the mindfulness, you know, post COVID, but back then I realized the power of meditation and, and that the athletes actually enjoy it. If, if you, if you walk them through it. Well, you know, it's interesting because you and I kind of joke where you like, you know, we joked about, you know, liking people and that thing, but we've also joked over the years about not loving to do interviews yet. Stacy, over time, I have done other interviews with you. We did that interview with the big, big who's in strength and nutrition from South Carolina, not that long ago. Oh yeah. Like, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sean, I feel like you're diving in, as you said, on mental health issues. I mean, you're using this platform that God gave you, I think in powerful ways, whether you love doing it or not, it's found you, right? Kind of like how I found that Legends event that night. I mean, you, you're you using your voice to help people with critical issues, are you not? I'm trying to. I'm trying <laughs> to, for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I do think that that's a little bit, yeah, that is my purpose. You know, that's what I'd like to do. So that's where the times where, you know, let's say I, I always like take on things and try to use experiences in life to make my players better. When I first you know, even started playing with the national team in the Olympics. I remember one guy, he was a Jamaican guy and he was just so, um, 
you know, he was just so impressed and he ended up connecting with the Raleigh Wings and actually took that group on a trip down uh, to Jamaica where we played all of their um, top teams back in the day. But he would always tell me like, I can't wait for you to be done with the soccer stuff. Like you, you, you know, and I was kind of look at him like, really? And he's like, yeah, you, you have a higher purpose. You have too many kids. You can help too many, the girls, they need you. And so, you know, as, as things, you know, even as the league folded, you know, obviously that's disappointing for, for all the, the girls um, in the league, but it was the kind of thing where I don't think I ever, yeah. Yeah. I never felt like uh soccer, Fully was, you know, I was always trying to use it as a vehicle, I guess you could say, you know, even when uh, example, I tore my ACL kind of late in my career. And I remember everyone around me being a little bit depressed. And I was like, geez, y'all, y'all are like, come on, this is what's the big deal? Like, you know, you move on. And I was actually looking at it as, you know, I coach so many kids that have ACL injuries. And I honestly can't, I don't relate having never had it. Like, I, I don't get the rehab. I've, I've never really ever been hurt. And that really changed it. That opened up a way that I could understand my players, understand the psychology of it, you know, wow. what they have to go through, understand even players that don't have it, that used to have it, what they need to be doing. You know, it's, it just, it's just made me such a better coach that injury, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's lucky that I got it in. That's incredible. The way you put a positive light on that, Stacey, I, I love that, you know, and as you continue to do great things down there for boys and girls, and as I mentioned, using these other platforms for, you know, nutrition and strength training and mental health and everything else. I mean, do you, is there somewhere you want to be down the road or you just take it day by day? Like, you know, I guess, I guess I'm, that's kind of a loaded question. Like, do you want to be in the NWSL? Do you want to be at North Carolina as a coach or do you like what you're doing right now? Yeah, uh, that is a loaded question. Um, <laughs> Cause we're at tryout crazy time during club <laughs> when, when every club coach rethinks their existence. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but uh, no, like, yeah, I, I think what, what really has me more thinking is not that I'm not happy with where I'm at because I am, but I think that a, a lot of where I was, I am at is because there weren't opportunities or I didn't consider them attractive opportunities. There weren't in coaching pro, you know, the, the things that have been reported in recent years are indicative of the toxicness of that league. And so, no, I didn't want to be a part of that, but now they have better people. You know, I mentioned Colleen earlier on, I know she's helping them come up with things and that just the whole the whole landscape has changed of women's soccer. You know, you have now uh, the, the Premier League coming with, is it USL? I uh, forget what that top tier yeah. league is going to yeah, be called. Yeah, the W League. That Amanda. Yeah, not, yeah. yeah it's not league, the W League. league. It's the, the Super, Super league. league. Yeah. Right, right. So yeah. so you have that. And now even back in the day, you know, co women's college coaching, I just, that seemed like a lot more work than, you know, the, than, you, you give up your life <laughs> and, and I always want to keep a life. <laughs> so it, it just, it just, um, but now there, there are, you know, great positions there, but, but then for me as, as well with college, that's, 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 that's a tricky territory for me because I, that's also a big culture thing. And I think sometimes people think, Oh, you would be great at this position, this position. I'm like, at, I'm not sure. And yeah, I'm like, I'm not sure that would be a good fit. You know, I am looking for the right HBCU, 
or or a college that has um I just don't think that any predominantly white institution is going to want me, <laughs> even if they're great at soccer. Like, um, you know, that's that's a reality. I have to, you know, I or, and, and maybe vice maybe vice versa. Like, I don't think we're a fit. I'm not going to say they don't want me, you know, but but it's I'm really looking at the long term and and just what these diversity inclusion initiatives just really. Yeah, they've really changed the landscape and maybe open up my thinking. Right now, it, it has been where I've really enjoyed just working with youth, doing my own camps. I work with the State Department, and, and they send me as a sports envoy. Um, so I've gone to Cameroon, went there last year. Uh, I've gone to Ethiopia, Nigeria, Niger, Peru, all on trips for, you know, to, to help female coaches, Senegal. So, you know, those that's more where putting my my time and energy into the the nonprofits and giving back where I can see the work happening. That's just been really fulfilling. You know, U.S. Soccer Foundation, they've been a huge part of uh, bringing me joy the past, you know, probably since about 2014. You know, their their programs are are awesome. Uh, they try to do the mini pitches and things like that. But I've been directly connected to their soccer for success program. And which they've tried to teach, you know, kind of combine soccer skills with, you know, and it used to be nutrition because that was the big thing, our ob obesity epidemic in this, this, uh, you know, in our country. Um, and now uh, this past couple of years, it's switched the curriculums, more social, emotional learning. And I just love it, you know, and it teaches coaches. It, it's, it's, I find it one of the superior courses because it really teaches coaches that that mentorship piece, you know, and, and yeah, they're going to go over X's and O's, but I think that that co they call it a coach mentor blueprint, you know, how to get to know your players, how to care about the community, you know, ways of showing empathy, ways of handling these tough situations that you're in with kids and handling with empathy, empathy, you know, keeping your coaching emotions in check. It's just tremendous, you know, and they, they're constantly updating it. Unfortunately, I can't work with them this summer. I have a trip to Mexico with the State Department in June. That's not going to allow me to, 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 to do the Soccer for Success facilitator stuff this year. But, but the Mexico trip should be pretty awesome. We're going to be working <laughs> with a bunch of coaches going to try to take some curriculum, take some sessions. That's what I love about United Soccer Coaches. You can go on their website and even find some sessions in Spanish. So, you know, I don't have to send them sessions to translate. I can find some right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I might get in time. I'm going to try to work one college camp this summer. My friend, uh, Bill Stefan, uh, he's a, love he's Bill. done. Love him. Yeah. yeah. So he's yeah. been raving. You know, he goes and he works at the Texas A&M camp the past couple of summers. And okay. so, he, yeah, he sent me an email. Are you thinking about it? So it happens to fit in July. So I'm going to go do that, do two sessions there. Yeah, I haven't yeah. worked any college camps since pre-COVID. So well, that'll be fun. I love G and Bill Stefan. What a great. Yeah, that'll be that'll be great for you, Stacey. And I, I love that you opened up and shared all this stuff you're doing. And since I started with how the Black Soccer Coaches event moved me. I want to end with knowing that you were part of the early days. And, you know, Nicole Hercules speaks the world of you, Stacy. And I don't know about you, but 
she's hopefully left it in a good spot with Andrew and, you know, the, the great team of four other outstanding people who've all been on the podcast as well. But the, the work that Nicole did really has elevated the black soccer coaches to a whole different level. Tell me you're feeling that. Well, she came in and immediately got to work. So, you know, I think she was um, on the awareness campaign immediately doing the podcast. She has a way of being nice and, and, and you know, upfront, but she also is, is one that's great at calling people and making connections. She's very, I don't know the word, so, you know, social, uh, personable. So, yeah, she's just done, done well on so many levels. She's built a lot of confidence within the group in terms of and, and brought in a lot of young faces. And yeah, I think to the degree that you want to show yourself uh, and represent yourself well, that social is an example of the standard that she has for the group and has set for the group. She did write on passing it on to, to a few people because I don't think that one person could do the job that <laughs> she's done. No, she's doing it with five. And last thing I want to tell you is thanks again for your opening comments and what you said to my wife, because it brings a smile to my face all the time. And, you know, my wife's kind of, you know, similar, like she dances to her own tune or whatever. So the fact that, <laughs> you know, she's often talking about you and, and that type of thing, you know, I, I'm more flowery and, and all that stuff. That's, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, kind of, I was made. So I think she dug how you said that, but, you know, I just a couple of weeks ago was out in, Texas doing an ECNL All-Star game and playing in the game with Stacy Burt's daughter. And, you know, I have two favorite Stacys, <laughs> Stacy Wilson and Stacy Burt. But it's my way of saying, you know, if you do this long enough, you get to cycle through the second phase and kind of share the love, right? You know, I was able to tell her how mm -hmm. much I adored her mom and everything else. And that's kind of what you're doing, right? Like you're you're starting to cycle through, I would guess. I mean, you're younger than me, but eventually it's going to happen, Stacey Wilson. And that's <laughs> kind of, uh, that's what we're here for, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the circle of life. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's great to see my uh, old teammates, them all proud of their kids, posting them on their stories and all that. And yeah, I am getting to the point where some of the players that I've coached are, you know, coming back post-college and, and have their own kids. And it's a little bit scary, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 it's nice to, to feel like, you know, you were part of helping develop, develop those people. It's, it's, it's why we all do it. So, yeah. but yeah, well, no, I've, I've always appreciated you. I, and of course, I know you were doing our games in college, but we, yeah. there were so few games televised back then. It was like, you know. I'd say maybe yeah. one or two season games. And I then the doing, semi, I was doing the final radio. four. Yeah, I was actually uh, doing them on radio, right. believe it or not, for WCHL when I, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, when I moved yeah. back. Well, let's end with this. I, you told me about Pele. Check your phone real quick and, and check out that picture. And if you can make me look like that again, because um, mm -hmm. I don't look like that anymore. Do you see the picture of Pele and, and me? And oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you look I'm the on exact the, same. I'm on the obesity no. half that you mentioned earlier. So. <laughs> yeah, you better use it or lose it. Don't, don't. <laughs> get moving. <laughs> I know, I'm going to get moving. And you've inspired me to do it, Stacey. You inspire me every time I see you and you've inspired me on this call. And I, I really think people are going to enjoy listening to you and, and all the different things that you're touching. I'm glad that you opened up and you were willing to come on Stacy this has been great you're a rock star Stacy Wilson thank you so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast it's been an honor of course Dean it's always an honor to be on your podcast and I really do enjoy what you're doing and trying to make sure that you promote and bring awareness to black coaches that's that's 
you don't have to, and we appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. We'll have more United Soccer Coaches podcast meeting a 30 under 30 member after this. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to another jam-packed United Soccer Coaches podcast. And we end with my favorite part of the show where we meet another 30 under 30 member. And each and every week I get more excited about the people I'm talking to because of their ties to people that I love. And it's no different with Sammy Joe Prudhomme. Did I say that right? You sure did. Good job, Dean. <laughs> Thank you. I need a little pat on the back. Yeah. Sammy Joe, the current assistant coach at the University of Illinois in Champaign, where she works with Janet Rayfield, and everybody knows that everyone at the association loves Janet Rayfield. She won a national championship with Kadani McAlpine and Jen Klein. I love those two. And then she played in the NWSL, Boston Breakers, Houston Dash, Washington Spirit, Ola Rain a little bit of time as well. And we'll get into all of that. Uh, but Sammy Joe, great to have you on. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. Well, let's start with uh, where you grew up, because I'm thinking you grew up out on the West Coast since you started at Oregon State and then won that natty with Southern Cal. Is that right? I'm originally from Southern California. I grew up in Redondo Beach for my first 13 years. And then high school, I moved down to Orange County. Um, it's called Elisa Viejo, California. It's right next to Laguna Beach. So played for the SoCal Blues for club. For college, decided to stay on the West Coast, went to Oregon State and transferred to USC in 2014. All uphill from there, I guess, downhill from there, whichever one's the easier one, I guess, downhill. <laughs> and uh, we got ourselves a national championship 2016. So it was, it was all good. But yeah, that's where I grew up. I lived in Laguna Beach as the press officer for the 94 World Cup team. And I lived in Redondo Beach. I love both those areas. So I, I like everything about you, Sammy Joe, including <laughs> that, the, that you're in the Big Ten because I've been with the Big Ten Network since day one. So you are definitely uh, with, you know, forgiveness to all the rest of the 30 under 30. You are rising to the top right here, Sammy Joe. Uh, that national championship at Southern Cal, I mean, that was legit. Can you just bring us back to that day and breaking it all down, winning that championship? Still, even to this day, sometimes I'm, I'm like, I can't believe that happened. Not because I didn't believe in us, but really just because I'm like, it was so surreal. And we kind of spoke it into existence just as much as we worked it into existence. So kind of started with my transfer um, in 2014. Kadania just taken the position at USC. I was just looking to leave and wanted to do a little bit more with my career was maybe seeing if some point I could play in the league or something like that is starting up and all that kind of around my first year in college. Just wanted more from a soccer perspective. So I decided to, to transfer, went through a few hoops back then. This transfer portal was very different back then than it is now. Got on the phone with Kidani. He knew a lot of my club coaches, you know, so I kind of got how he was through them. He got on the phone with me and it was hilarious. I was like talking with him and he was like, we want you to come here and stuff. And he's like, I think we can win a national championship in three years. And I was like, but USC's 11th in the Pac-12. So yeah. like, but I was like, yep, I agree. And then I was like, I'm in. So we ended up, you know, making that work. And then we had a great 
squad, especially our senior group, like Katie Johnson, Mandy Freeman, Kayla Mills, Morgan Andrews, Savannah Levin, and then even like Mariah Early. And they were a huge part of like our success, both on and off the fields and just a really competitive group, a group that I think Kidani knew could really win a championship, but we just needed to kind of change the culture and, and figure out like, how are we going to get on the same page in order to accomplish what we think talent wise and all that we can do. It was hard work and I wouldn't have wanted it any different to be quite honest. To this day, it was still surreal. I mean, played West Virginia in this final and won it three to one. And we had like 10 goals against the whole season. We were like an incredibly good defensive team and we scored goals. And I don't think you could get me to talk enough about it. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I call him the captain of cool. He's yeah, he is. He's the coolest guy I know. <laughs> I know. I just had him on the podcast. And to me, if the captain of the cool says we're going to win the natty in three years, I'm going to do my best to go get it for him. It sounds like you did as well. Yeah, I did. It was a good time. Right. And then also Jen Klein, who I adore as well, you know, do a lot of her games at Michigan and, and then Janet Rayfield, who I've known forever. We're always up on the big stage at the banquet on Friday nights for United Soccer Coaches. You are walking a great path here. When did you get the coaching bug? When did you know you wanted to be a coach, Sammy Joe? I think I've kind of always known I wanted to be a coach. A lot of my previous coaches would probably attribute some of my best qualities as like communication, organization, and leadership, like from the back, three things that a goalkeeper can really bring to the game, but that I think some of my strongest attributes to the team, I've always just like loved the game. I've always wanted to know more than just the basics or like how to do this. And how to, I want to know how to do this five different ways so that in case I can't do it now, I can do it here or here. Right. So that's kind of how my brain has always worked. I've always found that kind of problem solving part piece of the game, like really fun and challenging. And I love a good challenge. So to me, that's kind of how my brain's always worked. And it was actually really funny back in club. My best friend, her name's Jen Stanley, her and her mom, when I was like 13, they came up to me after a game one time and they were just like, you know, we just think you're going to make a really good coach one day. And it was so random, but it was like, I remember thinking at 13, like I'm a player, you know, like I don't, I'm not going to be a coach. And then as time went on, I was like, yeah, they were, they probably saw something I didn't see like way back. I've always wanted to coach. And I think even the longer I started playing, the more I realized, like, I actually really enjoy the coaching piece of the way that I play. It was a natural transition for me. I think Kidani and Jen and them really supported and helped me when I first got into the career. And I think Janet's done a great job with me as well and bringing new perspective and giving me all of her knowledge and experience and helping me see things from different perspectives. She's been a great mentor to me since I've been here at Illinois. So yeah, I mean, I've got three great people that we wouldn't have long enough on this podcast for me to mm -hmm. talk about all the great things about them and how much they helped me and how much I appreciate them. So so what was your first coaching gig? Was it in a youth club or was it straight into college for you? I had been coaching in my off seasons, like with the NWSL, I would go to Oregon and coach uh, some club teams would do goalkeeper coaching with them. Some assistant coaching like um, Eugene Timbers and uh, Capitals FC in Salem, Oregon. Um, my goalkeeper coach for the DA club at the time, Beach. That was right before COVID. I was doing a lot of work with Beach as their goalkeeper trainer for their EA teams. I was looking to get into college as quickly as possible because I just knew that that's kind of the level I wanted to go to is, you know, college, maybe like professional level. That's kind of the area I was thinking. So I ended up getting my first college job with Loyola, Maryland and Baltimore. 
that's kind of where I started my college career. And that was back in 2020, like July of 2020 is when I started. But before that, I've been doing private trainings, club trainings with Beach and a couple of places up in Oregon for a few years before that. And in my off seasons. Did you learn about the 30 under 30? And can you just share what it means to be a part of this great 30 under 30 program? A couple of people that I've been meeting when I would go out recruiting and all that, they had done the 30 under 30 program and it just talked about how much they loved it, how great it was to network and connect with people around their age. There's a wide variety of ages around, especially the college game and the youth game. It's really nice to be able to like be in a program that brings all those games, both on the men's and women's side together, that allows us to really get perspectives from all different levels of play and all different situations that maybe I don't get to experience, but that somebody in the club level or somebody at an NAIA or D2 or D3 get to experience. And that would, that helps me gain a little bit more perspective, maybe is something that I'm like, wow, we could try to implement that here. I think that's actually really helpful. I think it's been a, been a great experience, especially from that perspective. And I think that's the whole reason why I wanted to do it to begin with was I love meeting new people. I like learning about people's experiences and what they go through and what they have to do. And it's just another way for me to like learn and grow. And I'm blessed that I get that experience to do that in such a nice, smaller group that really touches all different levels on both the men's and women's side of the game. So it's been a great experience. Everybody that I had talked to before raved about it and were like, yeah, you should, you should try to do it if you can. So I gave it my best go and I got in. So I was, I was excited about it and um, I've really enjoyed everybody that I've met so far. And it's been, it's been a good experience. Were you at the convention in Philadelphia then Sammy Joe? Yeah. That was the first time I've ever been to the convention. So what was the best part about that? I loved the seminars and some of the speakers that they had. I, again, like it was great that there's so many different things you could, you could go listen to. Like you could go watch a training from again, like another men's or women's coach. You can go listen to a coach speak about culture or periodization or data analytics or whatever, whatever you can think of. You pretty much had a seminar that you could go listen to on it. And not just from the U S but there were, you know, I know the Federation of Ireland was there. There were some other federations or different international people that came and spoke about what they're doing and other things about their game and how they implement it. And I think that's, again, really cool. And just another way to connect with people that you just wouldn't get the experience. You wouldn't get the ability to do that without kind of being there, or it would be a lot more difficult to find a place to do that. You also were able to take in, I talked about the fact that Janet Rayfield always gives those inspiring messages before we start the awards banquet. And once again, she blew me away and she tied in Pele and tied in some of the despair that we're dealing with in this country, particularly, you know, mental health and everything else. I mean, she's, she's brilliant and she's beloved by the association as the first woman to receive the honor award. Did you know that about her? I did know that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she must talk fondly about the association, I'm guessing. Yeah, she does. Janet's a legend in so many ways. And um, again, a huge reason why I took this job. I knew that Janet has been around the game for a very long time in all different kinds of aspects, U.S. soccer, college, playing, um, all that. She obviously knows everyone through college and even U.S. and like you said, through the association and all that stuff. And again, the connections and and, um, networking opportunity that I get to experience with Janet is invaluable. Like I can't put a price on that. That's something that to me, again, 
is just super important because the more people you get to know and the more experiences you get to hear about and try to understand and get deeper knowledge on, the more that you can connect with other people and you can try to come to understandings with certain things and all that. And I think that's super important in our profession. So I love that Janet puts such a high emphasis on things that are happening, not just in soccer as well. Cause again, it just keeps perspective on like what we're doing and that what we're doing is important, but there are other things that are also important. Right. And to keep, always keep a perspective on that when things get hard, especially with the mental health stuff going on and the emphasis on that, uh, it is important to remind people of that and to be there for people. And again, the more you understand, the more you know, the more you get to hear about other people's experiences that you didn't get to have, the more you get to help somebody who you might not have been able to help before. So I think Janet does a great job with all that. It's something that I really value and something that I think I get to learn something new every day, even if it has nothing to do with soccer. And I love that. So it's great. Janet taught me all the tech the tech stuff. I don't know if you know this, but Janet's like a tech wizard. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Janet's really good with technology. I don't want to get it wrong, but I'm pretty sure before she started coaching, she was like, I think in software engineering or something like okay. that. She's going to be, I hope, I hope I didn't get that too, too far wrong. But, um, <laughs> she definitely worked heavily with computer programming. So when I got here, I'm, I'm a people person, as you maybe can tell Dean. So <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know what that stuff is, Janet. She's like, <laughs> she started, she made me come in and do a like tech 101, tech 201, tech 301. So I could learn all the, the tech stuff, Um, which said I was a quick learner. So that's all that really matters. So yeah, now it was pretty funny Um, because I don't think anybody would have guessed that. <laughs> I thought I was better at it. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm awful. I'm awful. But Janet taught me everything I know. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. You know, that doesn't surprise me because for years now, she's been reading her intros off of an iPad and stuff. So she's always been pretty hip and and pretty techie, which I'm also like you. I'm not that at all, although it sounds like she's converted you. So so job well done. Sammy, Joe, if you've listened to these interviews, I often ask where you see yourself in 15 years. And I'm going to double down on that. And, uh, you know, I do want to know where you see yourself. And then I also want to know from your perspective, what makes a goalkeeper a great coach because I think goalkeepers can be great coaches because of you know where they sit on the field and their understanding of the game but I want you to echo it there's two questions there where do you want to be in 15 years and what makes a a great goalkeeper a great coach 15 years geez Dean you're really you're really making me think way in the future but ideally in 15 years I'd want to be a head coach at either a division one program or maybe professionally either the NWSL or if I had an opportunity to maybe coach an international side that maybe isn't the U.S. or whatnot, um, that would be something that would intrigue me as well. Um, get the ability to maybe coach uh, a program that doesn't have as great of funding as maybe the U.S. Federation has, right? But that wants to better their women's soccer program on a national scale. I think that would be something that would be really interesting. I think like like what Lisa Colt does with, mm-hmm. is yeah. it BG, BG, right? Or probably Yeah, she's all over the place. Yeah, she's so- been everywhere, yeah. Yeah. So something like that, um, I think would be really interesting, but definitely like a head coach of, it doesn't have to be power five, but a division one school, a NWSL or professional team, maybe, maybe an international team. I have pretty, what I would think are lofty goals, but again, like I couldn't really think any differently. So I've always kind of been like that. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if that comes to fruition, but I just do, I, I just make decisions based on where I, I what I think are going to be best for me, like long-term as time goes on. So, and what's not just best for me, like 
from a career perspective, but what's best for me from a personal development as a person, as a coach professionally. And what I think makes a goalkeeper a great head coach, any previous player is a great, can be a great coach if they really love the problem solving part of the game. Like they, they wanted to know how to beat people in different ways or how to score or save or do things in different ways. And I think the unique opportunity that a goalkeeper has though, is that they're not as um, directly involved with the game, the entire game. If the game's being played in the midfield, I'm involved by trying to put people in positions to prevent an attack or trying to get people in positions to support our attack while still having the ability to cover. So it's almost feels like a chess match, you know, especially as a goalkeeper, because I'm kind of moving people more than I'm the one moving. I think that's where we get a really unique opportunity. Whereas if I'm a midfielder, I'm the one moving. Right. And so I'm thinking about where do I need to move to, to support my team or to get this or to do that. I don't have to really think about that the whole game. I only really need to think about where I need to be when the ball's 30 yards towards the goal and I might, somebody might shoot. Right. But even then my, my thing is, okay, do I need to be closer to goal or do I need to be further away from goal? Right. Or do I need to be a little right or do I need to be a little left? <laughs> so it's not like I'm, I have to play 360 like a midfielder or I have to get up and down the wing all game long. And you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm really physically exerting myself. It's kind of a unique position because if you really want to do it at a super high level, prevention and organization and communication are like, a really important piece of the goalkeeping position. And you can really influence the game by doing that. Great to spend time with Sammy Joe Prudhomme. Love her passion, love her energy, love her detailed answers. This has been great. I do got to ask you though, having lived in Laguna Beach and having lived in Redondo Beach, how champagne <laughs> is, it doing, <laughs> is it doing okay for you? Uh, I, miss, I miss the beach. Don't get me wrong, uh, Dean. I'm I'm a I'm a beach kid through and through. But okay. but I've lived a lot of places now, and uh, I know people probably aren't going to expect this answer. But I genuinely really love Champagne. So. Good. All right. Uh, cool. No, it's a great. No, it's a it's a great town. Like honestly, um, it's not too big, but like there's plenty of people here. The university is kind of the main thing going on, but it's nice yeah. because it's the main thing going on for me too. So I get to um meet a lot of people in all different walks of life that work for the university. We have a great athletic department. Um, our athletic department is super tight, good people, great AD, great um, staffing across the board, coaches, support staff, all that. Um, and I'm friends with a lot of people that aren't just the coaches or the athletic trainers or whatever. It's ac- academic athletic advisors and all that too. So it's been great. And it's for anybody who's wondering, it's it's 78 and sunny and it's not too so don't I like don't champagne. Sleep on, don't sleep on champagne, okay? Yeah, I've been there a lot. Some of my favorite people. Like I love Natalie Walsh. I love Tyra Perry. A lot of good people. people. All right, Sammy Joe, when you're not spreading this passion and I can feel it oozing out of you here for soccer. What do you like to do? What do you like to do if you ever do get away from the soccer field, which sounds like it doesn't happen very often, but (laughs) when you do, what do you like to do? I love spending time with my friends. Anytime I get the opportunity, we'll do a lot of barbecues, bonfire (laughs) type stuff. Um, We'll go out to the river and go floating the river, like hang out, bring our speaker, listen, just have a good time. Enjoy the company of good people. Golfing. I've really gotten into golfing. My parents are going to love that. I put this on the podcast, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I got into golf. They live in Palm Springs. Now they moved out to Palm Springs a few years ago. Okay. They finally got me to, to really get into golf. And so now when it's like today, I mean, we'll be getting messages about, Hey, anybody want to go golf later? Like and all that. <laughs> on sun's up until 
eight 30 and you're like, yeah, let's go out. So doing that, we I have a softball, slow pitch softball team. Um, the nice. whole, the, like all the, I would say anybody between the age of probably like 25 to 35 in, in the department is on this softball team. And that's fun department. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's awesome. You know, we yeah. do that. And then we go, we go grab food and stuff afterward. And uh, it's a great time. A lot of kind of active things, hikes and walks, water, anything, anytime I can get by the water, I try to go to the water. I'm a pretty active person. I just like, I just like getting out, enjoying good people and, and meeting new people, coffee shops, checking those out. Just a couple of good ones in Champaign. So I was lucky, uh, lucky to have that, but yeah, mostly spending time with friends and family or getting out anytime I can to go do something active and fun and new. I love that answer. Yeah. I love all those things you're doing. I, I, to be honest with you, I like all the ties that you have. I like where you grew up. I like people you've spent time with. I like that you're champagne. And so with that, I hope I talked to Janet at the banquet and she said the Illinois, the Illini are going to be much better this year, which hopefully means you'll be on the big 10 network, which hopefully means I can see you at a game. You know, they use, sometimes they'll keep me in the studio, but every once in a while they'll let me out amongst the people. And, um, I hope Sammy Joe, if they do let me out and I see you at a game, you'll come up and say hello. Will you promise me that? Oh, of course, Dean. You'll probably be up in the press box in Demersion. So you just come down to my office. We're right there. So yeah, <laughs> All right. no worries. Of course. I I encourage it. All right. Sammy Joe, loved this interview. You're great. Energy was great. And um, I actually love what you're doing when you're not coaching as well. I, I wouldn't mind hang, hanging on all that. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Sammy yeah, Joe. Thanks. Give me a call, Dean. All good. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> let me know all right. That is all wonderful. Right. What a great podcast it's been. We want to thank all of our guests and I want to thank Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, and our producer, Colin Thrash, for each and every one of them and all of you. I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Lee Gaps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Lee Gaps. Lee Gaps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about Lee Gaps, find them at leagueapps.com or as Lee Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.